come to the Lord and he'll get things right. God does not ask you to clean yourself. He says, come to me. And then you link up hands with him as he cleans you. You cannot, you cannot do enough things on your own to warrant your salvation. It is given as a gift. And all you have to do is come and say, please, please. And no matter how soiled you are, God will make you whiter than snow. There are some people who feel like they need to clean up the house before the cleaning service comes. In this edition of Jesus is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel says that you can be like this when it comes to the ways you've messed up. Sometimes you may feel like you have to clean yourself up a little before you go to the Lord. But today, Pastor Daniel reminds you that God just wants you to come to Him. He'll fix what's broken inside of you. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in the book of Psalms, chapter 51. As he continues his message, living on a prayer. Against you, you only have I sinned, he says. David realized that he has placed himself in a precarious position. So he's letting this reality of his mistakes lead him into prayer, and he's acknowledging it in its fullness. But notice what it says. Against you, you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight, that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. See, oftentimes we make mistakes and we want to be like, God's mean. God's mean for being this way. Don't we do that? We're always trying to Push the buck off. It's someone else's fault, not mine. David's like, no, 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 no. I've done this against you, and you're just, and you're blameless. I'm the one who's got the problem, not you, God. And it makes me think of 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. See, this is why... Letting our sin lead to prayer is so important. Because if we come to God and we open up our hearts and we say, God, I'm going to tell you what you know already about me. I'm going to own what is mine. It says that God is faithful and he's just to forgive us. See, you know why that is? I'm going to tell you something. This is important. God already knows that you sin. God knows what we're made of. That's the nature of the message of Jesus is that God is saying, look, I know that you do this. This is why I sent my son. Because you do this. And I do this. And that's, that's the nature of the gospel. When we confess, we're agreeing with God that God knows what we're doing. We're saying, God, you know. You see. So we're letting our sin lead to prayer. We had a guy here this morning, first service, a young man. His name is David. Man, he, man, the opportunity to receive Christ. He was like, boom, came on down. Pastor Daniel Keels talked to him, and Pastor Daniel Keels came up to me after, trembling, excited. That was the real deal. That young man just got really saved this morning. Really saved. 
But we want you to pray for people. Why? We pray because we all struggle with sin. Everybody does. And the reason, the only difference between those of you here who've put your faith and trust in Jesus and those of you, who you people who you know who don't follow Jesus, the only difference is that you're willing to say, I acknowledge that I've sinned and I'm ex- receiving God's forgiveness by believing in Jesus. You are exactly the same. We are the same as everybody. The only difference is, is we're saying, God, I trust you. I trust that the way to be changed is by Jesus, by believing in him and following him. That's the only difference. And we want to see people's lives transformed. We want to see people come from running from God and let God save them. That's what we want. So I want to encourage you to pray. I don't understand all the reasons that prayer work. I just know that it does. So we begin by letting sin lead to prayer. Let's keep going. Look at verse 5. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part you will make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness, that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins, and blot out my iniquities." We need to let reality lead to cleansing. We need to let reality lead to cleansing. Notice what he says in verse 5. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. See, in David confessing to the Lord, he wants to give a complete accounting. Not only is he owning his most recent things, but he's saying, I've always been this way. And it's interesting. If you read all the writings of all the major religions in the world, every religion agrees that humanity has a problem. That's why religion exists. Every psychology book, people have a problem. It's about what that is. And what the Bible teaches, the Bible teaches is that humanity doesn't just commit sins. Humanity's problem is that we have a sin nature, a sin being. Our default is sin. That's what the Bible teaches. They call it depravity. Some people call it original sin. But the Bible's teaching on humanity is that although we were created in God's image, our default is rebellion against God. And that's why you get it. That's why we have what we have in this world, because our default is to live in rebellion against God. And so David's saying, look, not only did I do some really horrible things, but I've always been like this. Now, those of you who are parents, you understand this. Because no parent has sat down with their child and said, listen, when you do something that you're not supposed to do and you get caught, lie. Really lie. I mean, go all out and cry. Any parent do that? I hope not. That's bad parenting. We don't want to do it that way. But it's amazing. You have these children, you never teach them, but they know how to do that. They just, it just comes naturally. I remember when Obadiah was small, you know, there was a potted plant. We made first time parent mistake. We had the potted plant at little kid level. You know, so Obadiah's in the family room and all of a sudden you walk in and the potted plant and the dirt's all over the floor. And you're like, Obadiah, did you do that? Nope. <laughs> There's nobody there. Nope. Mm-mm. 
You know, and then as they get older, they get more intricate with it because then they start like, oh, no, I was here. You weren't here. You don't know what happened. Let me tell you what happened. (laughs) Now, do you think I sat down and like, listen, this is how to self-protect by lying, buddy. You don't teach kids that. They just know how to do that. Why? Because we're created with this flaw that plays itself out. And everybody does. Everybody does. And that's why he says, I was created. It's like, I've been like this my whole life. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity. And in sin, my mother conceived me. Now, I want to go on a slight tangent. It may not be so slight. Now, there's been a lot of people in church who read that and say that the act of lovemaking between a man and a woman is sinful. That's how they interpret that verse, that in sin my mother conceived. That's not what it means. That's not what it means at all. And what's interesting is if you look at those outside the church, they have a whole other view of sexuality. What he's saying is he's saying, my mother was a sinner and so was my father and so am I. My parents have the same issue that I have that I'm passing down to my kids. But I wanted to bring that up because what's unfortunate is that some Christians will say, oh, that's really, really bad. And it totally misses God's design in human sexuality. God created us to be sexual beings. That wasn't like a a curse of the fall. God created us for a holy sexuality. But what's interesting is you look on the other side, outside the church, you have a whole other skewed view of sexuality. Where what it is, is in effect, it's saying things like, well, it's just the purely physical. It's all physical. And maybe for the ladies, it's slightly emotional. But it's purely physical. You know, I was reading an article just recently. They were talking about how monogamy, which means only committing yourself to one person and being with them for life, is unnatural because humans are the only animals that are monogamous. Thus the case for not being monogamous. And I thought to myself, you know, when you teach people that they're animals, they're going to act like it. We are not animals. We were created in the image and likeness of God. It's not, I don't want to act like a dog. I mean, that, that makes no sense. When I was growing up, you called someone a dog. That was a derogatory term. But see, brothers and sisters, we need to restore to the people of God a holy and sacred sexuality that has been given to us by God. When you realize that the coming together of a man and a woman in the joys of the marital bed, that is the physical manifestation of the union between Jesus and his church. There's a spiritual component to our sexuality that we don't even think about half the time. The world is definitely not telling us, and we're just buying into it. And we need to learn that we are of much more value. And you know what's amazing? Pastor Bill was telling me that the baby boomer generation, they have just off the charts off the charts STD ratios right now. Where they're, so it's not like this is a kid problem. No, this is a human problem. It's a human problem. And I believe that God wants us to have a sacred view of our sexuality. We're not just animals. We don't just do it because, oh yeah, you're cute and it's fun. Great. That's not what it's there for. It's there as an act of worship to glorify God who created us and created us with the ability to enjoy one another. But we, we can't lower the bar. We should raise the bar. And so for those of you, listen, I was going to say for those of you who are young, all of us, we need to ask God, 
for a sacred view of sexuality. The way he sees it, the way he sees it as an act of worship. I tell couples all the time, it's kind of creepy, but it's true. I, when they're in premarital, I'm like, look, don't invite Jesus into every part of your life and leave him out of your bedroom. And they look at you like, Pastor Daniel, what are you talking? Listen, that's meant to be an act of worship as well. There's no, whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, do what? All to the glory of God. That means that there is a way for a husband and wife in their physical union as a spouse, as two spouses, there's a way for that to glorify God and there's a way for that not to glorify God. And we need to say, God, I want that view of these things. I want that spiritual, vertical reality of that. End of my soapbox. (laughs) What David is saying in verse five and verse six is that I've always been this way. My reality is not only that I commit sins, but that I am a sinner by nature, that I miss the mark by nature. And therefore we let that reality lead to cleansing. Cause look at verse seven, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquity. Purge me, wash me, make me. See, David sees himself. He sees himself in his fallenness as soiled. That's what he sees. And he's saying, look, make me whiter than snow. Cleanse me. We need to let the reality of our rebellion not lead us from God, but lead us to him that we may be changed, clean. Listen to Isaiah 1, 18. Come now, it says. Let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. So if you're in here today, And your rebellion has led you away. God wants to clean you. And know what I love about this? God doesn't say clean yourself up and come to me. God says, just come to me. I'll I'll clean you up. I don't know how many times as a pastor someone says, you know, I got to get a couple things right and then I'm going to come to the Lord. I always say, no, no, no. You need to come to the Lord and he'll get things right. God does not ask you to clean yourself. He says, come to me. And then you link up hands with him as he cleans you. You cannot, you cannot do enough things on your own to warrant your salvation. It is given as a gift. And all you have to do is come and say, please, please. And no matter how soiled you are, God will make you whiter than snow. You know how white snow is? It's pretty white, right? Yeah. Don't try and clean yourself up and come to him. Come to him and let him clean you up. I know there's some people in this room today watching online. Someone gave you the DVD, whatever. We do not want you to leave here trying to clean yourself up. Every religion in the world is about that. Clean yourself up. Clean yourself up. Do this. Do that. The Bible says, no, listen, you can't do it. God's going to do it for you. And you know why that is? Because Jesus has got the skills that can pay those bills. That's why. That's an 80s term, isn't it? Only Jesus has got the cleansing skills given the depth of our soiledness. Only he does. He's the only one. And it's futile. And that's why religion is so popular. 
Because everyone realizes that they're soiled and everybody wants to be cleaned up. So everyone has his own little cockamamie way to do it. And Jesus says, listen, there's only one way to do it. There's only one way. And that is by putting your faith and trust in me. Not me plus X, me plus Y, me plus this book or that book. No, just the finished work of Jesus Christ at Calvary's cross and his resurrection from the dead. That is where it happens. That's where the action is at. And we do good works not to get saved, but because we're saved. And we do all these things like serve the Lord and be part of community and come to church. We do all those things because we are saved, not to get saved. And that's why it's amazing. You get to get these churches that say, if you don't come here, you're not really a Christian. Excuse me? Really? I mean, that's the way it rolls? That if you're part of our little crew, then you're in. If you're not, you're out. Listen, if you're with Jesus, you are in, brother, sister. You're in. It's not me and a membership to a certain church country club. It's not, it doesn't roll that way. It's you got to be with Jesus. He's done that work. But we need to, we need to let this reality of who we are, we need to let it cleanse us, drive us to that place where we get clean. And that cleansing comes from Jesus. But not only that, look at verse 10. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. And do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners shall be converted to you. I like this because these verses teach us that we need to let inward renewal lead outward. We need to let inward renewal lead us outward. All Verses 10, 11, and 12 all speak of God doing an inward work. It's as if David is calling on the creator to create in him again. Notice what it says. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. He's saying, God, you created me. I need you to do a work of recreation in my life. I have been stained. Create in me a clean heart. My spirit has not been hardy, not steadfast. So renew that in me. And brothers and sisters, this is where we get this idea of being born again that Jesus spoke about. He's saying, listen, the God who created you wants to create you once again. You were born and you need to be born again because you were born once physically. And Jesus is saying, look, I want to do a new work in you. That is why this is there. So you may be in here today. You've been created by God. God wants to do a work of recreation in you. He wants to take all the garbage you've been involved in and he wants to clean you out and me out. He wants to take all the ways that we've fallen short and he wants to renew in us a steadfast spirit. God wants to recreate all of us. In verse 11, David is concerned. Look at what he says. Do not cast me away from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Being cast away from God's presence speaks to us of Cain in Genesis chapter 4. Remember, Cain killed his brother Abel, and God cast him out. He's saying, look, I killed Uriah. Don't cast me from your presence, God. I don't want to end up like Cain, fleeing. And not only that, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. This makes us think of 1 Samuel 16, David's predecessor as the king 
of Israel was a man named Saul. And when Saul transgressed against God, God took his Holy Spirit from him. Now, the question always becomes then, well, what does that mean for us today? I mean, if I sin, is God going to take his Holy Spirit from me? Now, think about this. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came upon people. It was a visitation. And then the Holy Spirit would remove himself. But in the New Testament, through our faith in Jesus, it's not a visitation. The Holy Spirit has taken up a habitation. He dwells within us. The Old Testament was visitation. The New Testament, it's habitation. And how does that happen? It happens through faith in Jesus. When we, you and I, put our faith and trust in Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes and takes up residence in our lives, dwells within us. He who started a good work will be faithful to complete it in you. The Holy Spirit doesn't bail out when the going gets tough. He doesn't do that. The Holy Spirit stays and changes us from the inside out. Rather than having an external an external witness, now we have an internal witness. But this happens through faith. If you're in here today, you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus. The Holy Spirit is on the outside knocking at the door wanting to get in. And you need to simply say, okay. That's, that's the gospel. Us simply saying, okay, come on in. I know what's awesome about the Holy Spirit. He's a great interior decorator. He is. He's very good. I remember I told you about before I got married and before I got saved, I lived with a bunch of guys and it was a total nasty bachelor pad. It was, I mean, we had, we had a, a poster of, you know, Salvador Dali, the, the great artist. And I remember like we had a cat and that cat like ripped half that poster down. So we just kept it up, like half of a Salvador Dali poster. You know, every once in a while, we had friends who were girls who felt bad for us. So they'd bring over like a plant or like a nice little framed picture. And I'd be like, well, that thing's going to die in here. And they're like, we'll come over and water it, you know? See, that's a perfect example of what God does in our hearts because we trash our hearts. And then the Holy Spirit comes in and does a work, changes our hearts. But you need to let him in. You need to say, okay, come on in. I give you this access to my life. I give you this access to my life. The Holy Spirit, he's meant to indwell you. Not to be working at you on the outside, but to be inside, flowing in and out of your life. In verse 12, it says, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. David knows he can't do it by himself. The joy is in whose salvation? It's in God's salvation. Jesus is real. Thanks for joining us today as Pastor Daniel continued in this study of Psalm 51, looking at David's response to turn to God with his sin. Pastor Daniel shared that God wants to make you new. He won't just gloss over your brokenness. He will recreate you. You learn that God longs to change you from the inside. He'll take all the garbage you've been involved in and clean you out, giving you a new steadfast spirit. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel Fusco here to tell you about my book, Upward, Inward, and Outward. You've heard me talk about these three directions for living again and again on Jesus is Real Radio. And I think they're so important. I wanted to write a book to explain even more Upward, Inward, and Outward teaches you the importance of developing a right relationship with God and how that teaches you to love yourself well, 
from those two healthy relationships can spring a well of love for people around you. And that's what transforms our world. Find out more and get your own copy at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Make sure to tune in again as Pastor Daniel will share that not only should your brokenness lead you to prayer, but also cause you to praise God for who He is and all He's done in and through you. Pastor Daniel will remind you that you don't have to cling to empty religion, merely checking off boxes to make you feel like you're doing enough to be okay, but that you can have a real relationship with the God of the universe. There's more to come from Pastor Daniel's series called The Top Ten. Please glance at the clock right now and make plans to join us again for another edition of Jesus Is Real Radio.